Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Range on the Believe Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Ralph Irvin, and today we are talking to a woman whose life has been golf. She's been a high-level player and now works within the industry, overseeing the look of one of the biggest companies in the equipment game. She is the PR and social media specialist for Cleveland, Strixon, and Zexio. It's a pleasure to welcome Noelle Zavaleta to the range. Noelle, it's great to talk to you. Yeah, it's great to talk to you too, Ralph. Thanks for having me. Let's start as we always do here on the range. When did you start playing golf? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, honestly, since I was a baby, so around three four years old, picked up my first club and fell in love with it. How did that happen? Uh, Actually, my father took me out to the range. He was going out to practice and he said, honestly, I just walked over and picked up the club myself and the rest was history. (laughs) And I mean, you you were playing at a young age and naturally somebody who starts at that age is going to ultimately become competitive and you became competitive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When people describe me, competitive is definitely a word <laughs> that's used a lot about who I am and uh, as a person, not only on, but also off the golf course. When did you start playing competitive golf? Um, probably around seven, six or seven. Yeah, I was playing like little junior tournaments, real small ones, you know, then obviously started um, like playing for the SCPGA, SCGA, you know, right around like 12 13 as well. So very, very young. At that point, what was the structure like in terms of junior golf? Was it kind of like you hear through the grapevine that there are events? Was it something like a tour where there was a schedule of events? I mean, do you, do you remember what it was like in terms of how often you were playing competitive golf? Yeah, I, I remember obviously school was still the number one priority um, growing up. And, you know, my parents made sure of that. But definitely, you know, every year I remember my father and I sitting down together and here was, you know, kind of like the, the PGA tour schedule of the year, you know, and seeing, okay, what's doable. What can we do? Obviously the summer wasn't, you know, I wasn't in school. So it was a full workload of, um, golf tournaments. And then, you know, we'd maybe like after that, when it's, you know, in school season, I'd play maybe one to two events on the weekends, but you know, it wasn't nearly as much because my parents still wanted me to make sure that I was focused on school. So, uh, but yeah, it was kind of like that. We kind of just sat down. It's like, all right, well, what can we financially do? And, you know, how can we, you know, support, you know, how could they support me? And um, I wanted to play in them all the time. So as much as my schedule can let up, I, I, I was always playing in them. I imagine that it starts really local and then it just kind of that radius just grows as you get older. And, and next thing you know, you're going across country. Right, right, right. I have played everywhere in the United States. Absolutely everywhere. Uh, I think literally almost every single state we've played in. But yeah, anywhere that was feasible um, and where we can, you know, obviously travel to, we we were playing. If it was a good field, a competitive field, you know, or something, um, you know, where I can get my ranking up and play well and win, then of course we'd play it. You go to college and you major in communications. Was there a point in your competitive time in college where you realize, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be playing. What do I want to do next? Right. Probably closer to my senior year, towards the end of my senior year. I I honestly always thought from high school I was going to play professionally on the LPGA. 
um, that was kind of the goal, but some things happened in my personal life. Um, and I just kind of saw the bigger picture of things. I also have some friends that are on the LPGA that were a year or two ahead of me and they were out there grinding on tour, you know, or the Symmetra tour and trying to get status and all their cards. And, and, um, they were open and honest with me about the struggle of it. And, you know, it's, it's extremely hard. I know that many of them make it look easy and, you know, they're always playing, you know, well, and in top 10 week on week out, but I mean, it's, it's a grind. And I just realized, you know, by my senior year, maybe this isn't exactly what I wanted to do. You know, I'm more of a, a homebody and I love being born and raised in Southern California. And I didn't know if I really wanted to live that lifestyle of hotel to hotel and paycheck to paycheck. You then were able to start doing communications work. Did it change your perspective of the game, stepping away from being a player and now kind of talking about it and talking about the events of, uh, of the game? I wouldn't say so. I still love it. I mean, that's why I went into it. You know, what's what's second best other than playing professionally would be working in it. So I still I have that drive and that dedication and that competitiveness as I did as a golfer, but in my job too. I take it to the full extreme. You know, I make sure I I do everything to the, you know, to the best of my abilities. So I still respect the game as much as as anyone too who is playing professionally. So now I can kind of see both sides and and you know, they still are equal to me. How did the role at Cleveland come about? Um, I actually was doing an internship at the Southern California Golf Association. I earned, um, I was awarded the USGA uh, PJ Boatwright internship. And so they had, um, so I was there for about a year. And then unfortunately there was no position for me afterwards. Um, but after some searching, luckily I had some connections uh, over at the SCGA who knew someone at Cleveland golf and kind of got my foot in the door that way. And, and actually be started working with them, um, in customer service. So I kind of got my foot in the door that way. And uh, I was like, Hey, I'm just thankful for a job. And I knew my skills and how, what I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to be in marketing. So honestly, by <laughs> month three, we can joke about it now, but I literally would walk into marketing and say, I'm here and this is what I want to be at. You know, this is where I want to work. So what do, what do I have to do? What is it going to take for me to be a part of marketing? That's the competitive streak. I mean, it's right there. Right. Do you, do you remember what your first project was that you worked on? Oh, man. I want to say, honestly, because I first when I first started working in marketing, I, I was um, primarily uh, social media. So I think my first project was um, kind of doing a comparison of all OEMs, of all other uh, manufacturer brands and kind of compare, you know, what are they doing versus what are we doing? You know, what can we improve on and, you know, what are we good at and, and vice versa? Was that eye-opening to you in doing that and seeing, wow, this is an area really that, that we can grow? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, and I take uh, major pride and um, where our social media has been, you know, from 2015, when I picked it up to where it is now, it's gone, it's come a long ways, you know, um, and, and it's great. And we're still growing every single day. And I'm so proud and so happy to be a part of it. So, so yeah, it's, it's very, very exciting to think where, where were we back then? And where we are now, if you take a step back, I imagine that if you look at it, you're like, okay, I'm at this company that has multiple brands, and they all make ridiculously quality products. Yeah. There's a lot for us to talk about. Yeah. And there's so many opportunities. It really had to have been a goldmine once 
there was a little bit of dedication going in that direction. Yeah, it it's hard. It's um, people don't realize or don't remember or recall. Maybe you know we have now four brands under our umbrella. You know, not even including tennis. You know, that's a whole other area. And uh, yeah, and while it's it's uh, I think you know like gosh, it must be must be nice that maybe some other brands don't have to um, constantly like figure out the next product. You know, like there's never any dead period for us, but I'm sure there's probably never any dead period for any other brands either. You know, we're always thinking of the next innovative thing or way to market or way to sell and, you know, a uh, way to, uh, a way to produce, you know, the next best technology in the world. So, um, but yeah, for those that don't know, it's, it's a, it's a grind and trying to remember all the brands, remember all the pro even within each brand, there's like three or four products Mm -hmm. to remember. So let's just say it's, it's for sure. Never, never slow at, uh, at headquarters. <laughs> I'm sure internally, I mean, you work with the media, so you constantly are hearing from the media, but internally there's always got to be a pull of, Hey, can we do this? Hey, let's promote that. Because again, you've got all these different brands on their own different production calendars. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's what I love about us too, is that we make, we make a different product for every golfer. You know, that's what's really exciting about our company and, you know, Cleveland having the array of wedges um, and now Srixon, you know, coming out with uh, a game improvement iron, you know, and then obviously there's Zexia, which is still just as important as the other two, you know, for a more of a moderate swing speed golfer. So it's, it's really interesting and fun and creative to be able to still produce three to four different types of content all for a golf club. One thing that you are intimately a part of is marketing campaigns. Uh, and I imagine that you're responsible for every aspect of that, from, from setting up the shoot to the location and everything else. People who've seen ads for Cleveland in recent years, I think they can probably identify where you where you like to shoot for Cleveland. Yeah, uh, It's a pretty stark uh, contrast <laughs> to a lot of golf courses. Uh, but what's it like going to a remote location like wolf creek to, to set up a video shoot it's uh it's so much fun those are definitely highlights of the year but i will be the first to admit as i'm sure other people are though is that it is hard it is not easy of setting up the golf course i mean luckily we have a great relationship with wolf creek now but any golf course in particular i mean it's months and months of planning before we're actually there on the day shooting mm -hmm. you know and uh so yeah so like you said it's it's prepping everything between you know, samples of product that doesn't even come out for a year, but, you know, we're trying to get the first samples in hand so that we can shoot all these commercials and um, video assets to follow up with the launch. So, you know, that and booking um, hotels and flights and, and then talent, obviously, if we're not working with our tour players for, you know, a specific shoot or a Strixon shoot. So it's a, it's a lot of work, but also it's so rewarding. I mean, you're also grinding and, and working 15, eight, 18 hours a day during those shoots that are, you know, anywhere between two and five days. But then after that, yes, you are exhausted, but it is very, very rewarding as well. And you're, and I, and you're so excited and you can't wait to see the, the final production of it. And then it launches. <laughs> and as some in the know would know, sometimes you even have to go in front of the camera. <laughs> right right that is right I've, ha I've had to do that from time to time and uh it's very unexpected but it's fun you gotta laugh about it 
that that's something that actually wasn't planned. It's just we we need you to step in here and fill a role. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, and it's fun. It's it's something to like I said, laugh about and uh, have for memories for years to come. In doing marketing plans and coming up with ideas, sometimes you just want to show the might of the power, the capabilities of the clubs. And sometimes you want to have fun, like with Grandpa Jamie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. How do you balance the two? Or do you work with others within the company that, that are kind of are in the same mind frame? We want to have fun, but then we also want to show the hardcore nuts and bolts of the clubs. Right. Um, we do everything in-house. So we have a great team, uh, a, a content creative team, you know, where we all work together and figure out, all right, here's this product coming out next. Um, you know, as probably most people don't know, but I'm sure you do. It's a, um, you know, we're, we, we plan for new product two years in advance, mm-hmm. you know, so we're already working with, with our R and D team on the next cycle of Strixon product, you know, but then really quickly, right after that, we, the marketing team gets involved and we figure out, all right, what's the best way we can market this. Obviously we want the, the, the techie information that's still super important to the clubs, but we do want that fun side of it. So for your example of grandpa, Jamie, you know, we, um, gosh, that was what, two life cycles ago. Yeah. When we also signed Sedlowski. So, um, you know, we figured Cleveland has been a, a known brand um, in golf for, for decades. And um, we wanted to have fun with it a little bit more. We find Cleveland can be a little bit more on the fun side and kind of like your everyday average golfer that just enjoys around golf with buddies on the weekends. And we figured, you know, let's, let's change it up a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, we thought of that idea of grandpa Jamie and um, it was, it was a hit. It was, it went viral. It was so much fun to make. And, uh, and it just, in another way, not only did it still sell the product, but it got um, more Cleveland loyalists which is also, you know, to my at, at least extent is is just as important. I think to what you're talking about with the two years lead up, you're two years out and thinking about that. In your experience so far, have you had a club that just suddenly, okay, we're planning it's going to be good or no, this turns out to be really good. Like as it's going through the cycles and it's getting ready for production, it suddenly is ramping up to be a lot more than you ever intended. Um. Definitely this line of Strix on ZX. I mean, I, I, I've known that we've made really, really good irons, you know, in the past, all, all, all the way back, you know, from, you know, 2010, 2014 and, and the 45 series and things like that. Um, but this this go around of the new line has made some huge noise and, and a huge splash um, into uh, the golf community. And it's so exciting to be a part of it and see it from start to finish. I mean, I remember a year ago, you know, working with our tour players and seeing their excitement, you know, and their draw to the product. And, and also too, I mean, we've done a fantastic job this year with, um, the woods category. We've really made a step in that. And so it's really, really exciting to see the positive outcomes. You share that excitement with folks like me, but before it even gets to people like me, you work with the folks at, say, Golf Digest so that you can get on that hot list. And mm-hmm. that means getting product out again months in advance, really thinking ahead. And, and the stress level's got to be really high that we have to have our clubs ready to go for their testing, which, again, people don't realize how far in advance that is to when it actually hits a magazine issue. 
Yeah, that uh, besides the PGA show, um, hot list season is extremely, extremely challenging. Um, it's it's a lot of work. A lot of stuff goes into play, a lot of organization, a lot of last minute changes, you know, getting product, like you said, um, probably nearly not as much work, though, as it is for those guys and the testing and and, you know, how many clubs that they're doing. But, yeah, it's um, it's a grind for sure. It's those are those happen every year right around the fall. So it's, it's making sure we have, you know, ample supply to fill their requests and then also the launch for our inventory, too. This year, when it went live and viral social media, there was a little bit of a backlash, but it was an interesting backlash because it opened a door into golf equipment, I think. And that was that people were saying, well, okay, where's the women's list? And I think people have this misperception that there really are men's and women's clubs. Because as I see it, there are beginner clubs, there are slow swing clubs, and there are golf clubs. Mm-hmm. And, and once you care about your golf swing, the odds are you're going to be using the same clubs. It's not a male or female issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've got both, you know, I mean, I grew up um, playing male clubs Um, But that's all there kind of was back then. You know, there wasn't really anything specifically geared towards females. Um, But we've Cleveland and Turkson have taken it a point to to work with, you know, the the female um, golfers out in our world and figure out what they want. And we're doing some marketing research and figuring out what's going to best suit their game, you know, And, and it even goes down to the color color, weight, you know, size portions, you know, everything like that. So, so we're, we're, we're doing our, our, our best and trying to make product for them specifically too. So you can go both ways for it. You know, you can use a male or I would even say it's not, it's not a male head. It's just a golf. Exactly. It's just, it's a just golf. golf it's just a golf. Yeah. Head. It's just a golf head. And then after that, you know, just find a lighter shaft or find whatever shaft suits your game. It doesn't have to be lighter. It could be stronger, you know, and then find whatever grip works best for you. So there is that balance, you know, of making sure that we're fitting, obviously, every type of golfer. We do make products specifically for females, but I don't want a female also to look at it and think like, I have to play this, you know, just because it says women or ladies in it. You know, if you get fit and you love, you know, our standard clubs, then play it. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, for like Zexio is um, a great example. Um, 40% of our sales are of are women, you know, and it's, it's, it's more of just a, a lightweight, easy to swing club. And that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've made some great strides and are working to market, you know, towards women in that, but also there's nothing wrong with, you know, using the same exact, um, club head that Ernie Els is playing. I mean, that's what our newest ambassador NB Park is doing. You know, she, she has, um, standard heads and then just fits exactly whatever shafts and grip she needs to perform the best she can. So, um, so you're right. I mean, any, if any woman is trying to get into the, the um, golf world and play, you know, don't, don't think that just because you see a woman set right there, that's what you need to play. Right. You know, that's how I've, I've always played golf. And, um, like, like I've been saying, if any, any, female, anyone, anyone that wants to play golf, you know, is interested, you know, I'm more than happy to help them in any way. And honestly, one of my first things would be like, go get fit, Mm -hmm. you know, go get fit and figure out what's the best club for you. 
this is a topic I've had on air, off air with people is saying if, especially with how 2020 affected the game of golf, if you'd never played before, go get a cheap, basic, simple set of clubs and figure out if you like the game. Mm -hmm. And if you're intrigued by it and you're like, I want to get better and you're thinking about it a lot, that's the time to go get fit, get your lessons so that you can have quality equipment that's going to benefit you right. going forward. And, and that's only going to happen if you're properly fit. Do you feel that there's stigma between your different brands that you try to have to fight against when you're dealing with the media, with, with what you term to be public perception, that we're trying to send a message with these clubs and it's not being received, that sort of thing? No, I think we've done a really, really good job of messaging, you know, each distinctive brand, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Strixon is more for the, you know, tour player, you know, um, single digit handicap, but then also there's nothing wrong with someone who wants, if if you want to play Strixon, play Strixon, you know, like it may be hard for you and you may not be able to shoot your lowest round with it, but by all means play it. But then I'm also not afraid to say, well, you know, if that doesn't suit your game, we also have Cleveland Mm -hmm. that still makes terrific woods and irons, you know, and maybe if you're a little bit older and, you know, your swing speed's not up to, you know, up to par as what it used to be in your prime. We also have this, a fantastic line of Zexio. So I think, I think our, our marketing and um, content copy team has done a really good job of, of messaging, you know, one another, but also not being afraid to say, Hey, if this doesn't work out for you, here's an option B. If this doesn't work out too, here's an option C. Well, one thing that I can say is to anybody listening, you shouldn't feel weird with the clubs that fit you. I mean, one thing that I've learned in, in talking with Cleveland Zexio Srixon is some of the most beginner type club sets, like an HB, a high bore set, gets as much attention as the tour Srixon clubs, because there are so many people that this club's going to fit them. Right. And that's why, whether you're talking Cleveland wedges, whether it's the Smart Soul, the the CBX, or the Zipcore, they all have a different audience, and they're all going to serve players as best possible when they're fit for the right club. Exactly. Right. All that said, what's in your bag? What's in my bag? So currently, um, I'm actually tossing back between the the new ZX5 and ZX7 driver. Um, I like both; they're both <laughs> um, fun for me to hit. So figuring that out. So haven't haven't officially um, stuck one in the bag yet. But then after that, um, the I'm playing the new ZX7 irons all the way through four through pitch. So loving those. Um, and then I've got the RTX zip cores in the bag. All with a proper fill. I know you're you're gonna make sure that you're, you're gonna do it yourself. Oh, I, yeah. I know better. Oh yeah. I've seen your work. Uh, we always wrap up our talks here on the range by asking you to jump back into the wayback machine uh, and look at your all-time golf bag. So you should be looking at uh, you know what you've had in there. Do you have a club maybe from your competitive days that holds just a special place in your heart? That maybe you're not playing it now, but it's it's prized. It's it's one that you're always going to keep around. Man, I haven't thought about this in a long time. Honestly, I think I got rid of everything except for um, I was obsessed with my Cleveland Comp 460 driver. 
that was like my go-to driver when I was playing competitively. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything non, you know, branded that I played that I was obsessed with? Um, I mean, and what's, it's, what's funny too, is though I tell people when I'm, you know, working with influencers and celebrities, you know, about playing our product, you know, I will give them the straightest answer. And I have told them, you know, I'm not being biased just because I work for this company, but we literally make the best irons, you know, and the best wedges, you know? Um, so yeah, I was playing Cleveland for a really long time. I also have like CG tens, you know, I had, some, I think I even had some tour actions back in the day. I've always been a Cleveland wedge player, but yeah, I mean, the thing that st- stands out to me the most was, was that 460 comp that was a, a ride or die for me. And I honestly, I, I want to say, I still have that to this day. Noel, you've gone from the competitive side into the equipment field where you do an amazing job sharing the stories with Cleveland Srix on Zexio and a six and shouldn't forget a six. Thanks for joining us here on the range. Of course. Thank you for having me, Ralph. And that was Noel Zavaleta, and she lives the game of golf. And why not? She absolutely loves it. That's apparent. And she balances that time between marketing multiple brands and still getting out and enjoying a round of golf. The help she's given me has been immeasurable. She's a great partner to have in the industry, and that was a fun talk. Before we go, we're in the midst of the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. And why does everyone love that event? The brackets, of course. Filling them out every couple hours is something that every young sports fan picks up and enjoys for a lifetime. And every new convert picks up like it's second nature. Brackets are why I fell in love with the World Golf Championships match play event back when it started in 1999. It has continued since, and this week it returns from the Austin Country Club. No, it's no longer a straight bracket with single eliminations, but it still offers a chance to see the world's top players face the pressures that only come in a match play environment. We also get to see those heroic shots around Lake Austin and the Colorado River. It's a reminder, golf comes in all shapes and sizes. Enjoy the variety and maybe try adding some of that spice to a future round on the course. 2020 was a huge year for golf growth, 2021, a huge year for new equipment. So much to see, and the best place to find out about it all is the Golf Spotlight. We're dropping new features all the time, looking at new clubs, accessories, footwear, more. There is a ton to learn about it, and it goes well beyond the frontline clubs that you think about. It's more than just drivers, folks. There's a lot out there. Go to thegolfspotlight.com and click on the YouTube subscribe button. Then turn on those notifications so you never miss one of our features. Believe me, there is a lot to learn and see. Stay up to date on the range by following us on Instagram at the Golf Spotlight. We're also on Twitter at Golf Spotlight. We welcome your comments everywhere. Now you've listened this far, so subscribe to the range on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or iHeart. We have new shows dropping every Wednesday. That'll do it for this episode of The Range, so let's grab our clubs, let's hit the course, let's chart our own path, maybe be competitive. Why not? And we'll talk to you next time, right here on The Range. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.